Welcome to the Marriage Today Podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my wife, Karen. This podcast exists to help every couple succeed in marriage. We're so glad that you're joining us today. We're talking about how to have a blessed marriage. Specifically, we're talking about forgiveness in marriage, which is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. And this is a teaching we're going to be going to here in just a few minutes. So, Karen, we... uh, have a few questions from viewers. Yes. When I got when I get home from work, my wife asks a lot of questions. I have told her I need some space, but now she's giving me the silent treatment. Am I wrong here? No, there's there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. The, I know that we we went through a period of time when I would come home and you would ask questions and I never answered them because mm-hmm. it, it annoyed me. I thought you were nosy and I didn't want to feed the you just monster. Go sit on the on the recliner. And- yeah. And and that was bad. I mean, it, I was not being a good communicator and I was not meeting your need for communication and it created a lot of problems in our marriage. And then there was a time that, um, that I began to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I said to you was, let me come in, let me just unwind a little bit, eat dinner mm-hmm. and have, you know, a little time with the kids and stuff. And then we'll have our time. And so what we did was, is, and I'm just going to just round this off and say from five to eight at night was, our time to eat and unwind and stuff. And after that was our time. And so we spent time talking, we communicated, we everything. And the so when it says here, um, I asked my wife to give me some space and now she gave me the silent treatment. Well, how much space? Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, I'm gonna go up and play video games and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> That's too much. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's wrong that a husband says, honey, I, I love talking to you. I love being with you. Would you give me this little detox time? And that'll help me kind of really engage later on. And I think that's reasonable. Well, I think in any marriage, you know, you're constantly trying to find the rhythm of right. each other. Right. You know, what works, what doesn't work. And in our situation, I remember what helped me a lot is that you communicated throughout the day. It was right. like you'd either call, check in, text. Back, you know, back then we didn't have text, yeah. but you would call, check in, yeah. and um, it, it, it keeps you connected. So maybe there's another way of keeping her connected yeah. so that by the time you do unwind, you know, yeah. she's not just hysterical. But I don't think silent treatment is good. So No, 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 no. That's, that's not healthy. Well, she's punishing him. I mean, yeah. she's, she's angry. So she might be a little bit crowding him. Uh, and so a little bit of space is fine, but I don't think he's necessarily wrong. I don't, not knowing the details, but I think, I think that's a good, yeah. good answer. And so uh, my husband shames me when we communicate. I don't want to subject myself to that abuse, but he's draining me emotionally. Where's the balance? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about you and you and I when we were first married, um, that you would, you know, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at you looking at me like, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> that you would just, you know, like, yeah. make me feel like I was stupid, yeah. you know, and because I would share things or say things, and you just look at me like, yeah. And it wasn't that you were trying to be mean; you just really didn't understand. No. And I tell women this all the time: trust me, your husband doesn't get it. You know, he's not—he's not trying to do what he's doing. He just really doesn't get it. It's like we always say: you're just not wired like I'm wired. Yeah. And, you know, I think in situations like this, the communication, he does need to be more uh, caring and sensitive and gentle. And, you know, he needs to be, you know, um, careful with his words because words are powerful. Well, and she uses the word abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, I she, remember you I, You and I always talk about this. Yeah. I, I, the abuse that was hardest on me was your verbal abuse. Yeah. That's, that's worse to me than anything. Yeah. Is uh, I think that they need counseling. I think that. 
uh, we have resources available. We also have, you know, our mediators here at Marriage Today Yeah. that, you know, you can go on uh, xomarriage.com and we have our marriage mediators and they can help you long distance. They can do it via Zoom or phone or whatever. I really would encourage you to reach out and get counseling, uh, get resources. We have tons of resources here at Marriage Day. XO Now, which is a streaming platform, tons of resources on there. Mm-hmm. But but really, I would encourage you to learn as much as you can, but also to reach out and get some professional help. Because the, when you say the word abuse, this, this thing's got a timer on it, mm-hmm. and it's about to go off. So I would get help as soon as you could. We're going to go to this teaching now on how to forgive. We hope you enjoy this. I am not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I'm a pastor and I believe the Bible is the most authoritative book in the world on any subject. Whatever you're talking about, you don't get better than this because it's not gonna change next week or next month or next year. It is eternally the same. And when the Bible says that God created man in the Garden of Eden, I absolutely believe that. I don't believe that uh, we came out of a a pool that was hit by a a lightning bolt. I don't think we're an accident. I believe we're divinely created. And I don't believe that marriage was created by a lawyer, a legislature, or a lonely Neanderthal. I believe it was created by Almighty God in the Garden of Eden. And when we want to understand marriage, we have to go back there to get our understanding. Genesis 1 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created them male and female, and he blessed them. Marriage began with God's blessing on it. And the word bless, and this is, again, this is language that we've lost because marriage Marriage in our culture, and I know that many other nations and cultures are watching this, but, but in our American culture, I mean, we've just lost so much of the meaning of marriage. But the word blessed, when the Bible says that God bless them, the word blessed means the supernatural favor, provision, and protection of God. It means to be assisted by God's invisible presence. How many of you believe that God is here? Anybody believe God is here? Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in your midst. Okay, so we know that God is with us, right? Okay, so God with us and blessing us means when God is blessing your life, it means you have his supernatural protection, his supernatural provision, and his supernatural favor. It means the physical realm is not the control realm. The spirit realm is the control realm. Okay, there is a realm that we cannot see full of angels and and majesties and and, uh, beings of God that are around us and God himself. We also know there are evil entities in the world today. If our eyes could be opened, we would see that realm and we would understand the physical realm is being controlled by that realm. We say this, when God is on your side and blessing you, nobody can curse you. When God is on your side and blessing you, life is going to be good. Okay, so Adam and Eve were created with a silver spoon in their mouth. They had never had poverty, never been rejected, never had a bad daddy, never had a bad day. Perfect bodies. They had provisional immortality. They would have never died if they wouldn't have sinned. And, they, and after sinning, they lived over 900 years old. That's old. If you're not over 900 years old, I'm telling you, you're your face, you're old. And 
They had provisional immortality in perfect bodies, but they rebelled against God. And when God blessed them in the Garden of Eden, and then they rebelled. And here's what God said to Adam and Eve after they rebelled. Cursed is the ground for your sake. This beautiful garden that I planted and I gave you for free. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. The word curse is the opposite of the word bless. And the word curse means the absence of blessing to invoke harm. The absence of blessing. This is, this is a good message. This, this, this message I'm about to bring, this will be one of the most encouraging messages you've ever heard in your entire life, I promise. But the word blessing occurs hundreds of times in the Old Testament and New Testament. The word blessing occurs in Genesis and in Revelation, and the word curse occurs in Genesis and in Revelation. In fact, almost the last verse in the Bible has the word curse in it. If anyone adds to this book or takes away, the Bible says they're cursed, okay? That's the end of the book of Revelation. So blessing is real and cursing is real, but here's what I want you to understand. Karen and I were Christians living in a curse. And here are the curses that we were living in. We lived in the curse of poverty. If anyone, if anyone believes that poverty is a blessing, they've never been poor. And I've been poor, I've been dirt poor. We lived in poverty. We lived in government housing. You had to be dirt broke to qualify and we slid right in. When we got married, we lived in a, in a house that was a government sponsored house. And we were broke and I had a poverty spirit on me and I was a Christian living in the curse of poverty. We lived in the curse of a bad marriage. We, lived, we woke up in an unhappy home every day. We fought constantly. We had no intimacy. We had no hope in our relationship. We had, we had so many areas in our lives that though blessing was available, we were living in a curse. And I wanna talk to you about the blessed marriage. I wanna talk to you about how to live in the fullness of God's blessing for you for the rest of your life. And here are three truths about blessing, very important truths. Number one, it's always God's desire to bless us. God never desires to do anything other than to bless his people. Matthew six, when Jesus came and brought the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, what Jesus did was he showed a loving God to people who did not understand God. The people of Israel did not understand God and they didn't understand that God was their loving daddy who cared about them and wanted to bless them. I'm saying to you, absolutely, teetotally, it's God's desire to bless you. The second truth about blessing, critical, is Jesus died on the cross to remove curses and return the full blessing of God. Now listen to Galatians 3, because this is what it says. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So why did Jesus die on the cross? To take away the curse of sin and to return the blessing that Adam and Eve gave up. And this is called the blessing of Abraham, and this is what Genesis 24.1 says. Genesis 24.1 says, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. The blessing of Abraham is a total blessing. Now, I want you to listen to me. If you're kind of blessed, that stinks. 
Let me say this. If you have all the money in the world and you're sick, you're not blessed. I mean, if you have a chronic illness and you're always sick, I mean, what? it ruins the quality of your life. You know, let's just say that you have a healthy body and you're broke. That stinks. Let's just say that you're healthy and you're rich and you don't know Jesus. That stinks. I mean, if, if you're lost and in bondage, you have pornography bondage, alcohol bondage, drug addiction, whatever it might be, missing an area of blessing means in that area I'm cursed. Jesus didn't come to kind of take away the curse. Jesus came to totally remove the curse of sin and return Abraham's blessing to our lives. And the Bible says God blessed Abraham in every way. I want to be totally blessed, not kind of blessed. Our choices decide if we will live in blessing or not. Even as Christians, our choices decide if we're going to live in God's blessing or not. Now, if you're a Christian, you're on your way to heaven. You're going to be very blessed there. The issue is this life, okay? This is Deuteronomy 30. God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing choose life that both you and your descendants may live. God says, you have choices. And I'm telling you right now, I put life and blessing right in front of you. And I'm saying, make the right choices and you can have blessing. This is what he says to the children of Israel. Listen, he says for you and your descendants. Did you know that your children and your grandchildren are gonna be directly affected by every decision that you make? God says he visits the iniquities of the fathers, the mothers and fathers to the third and fourth generation. Every, every decision that I make will affect my great-grandchildren. And so when I choose blessing, did you know I'm not just choosing blessing for me, I'm choosing blessing for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Every time I choose, I'm making a choice that is gonna affect generations after me. And so God says to them, you have a choice. And your choice, Israel, I want you to be blessed, but it's your choice now that's gonna decide. Well, let me tell you the two choices of blessing. It's very simple. The two choices of blessing. Living in the blessing of God. You say, well, of course I wanna be blessed, Jimmy. I, I wanna live in the blessing of God. Okay, well, let me tell you what the choices are. Genesis, uh, John 1, this is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. This is talking about Jesus. And it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's two choices that we're gonna make to be blessed. The first is the choice of grace. I wanna talk about what grace means and living in the blessing of grace. The word grace basically means a non-performance-based relationship. It means unmerited favor, but it means not having to perform to get favor in a relationship. Now there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy means I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. And so you, you come to me and you owe me a million dollars and you come to me and I give you mercy and you're gonna get thrown in jail because you owe me a million dollars. And you come to me and mercy says, I forgive the debt. You owe me a million dollars, I forgive the debt. I'm not gonna give you what you deserve and put you in jail. Grace says, here's another million and you don't have to pay it back. Mercy paid my debts. Grace made me rich. God is a God of grace. He does not relate to us based on our performance. He does not. He does not. He is a God of grace. And to live in God's blessing, we have to understand grace and we have to understand what it is. Now let me, let me say this. As a counselor, as a marriage counselor for many years, you cannot get closer to God 
than your concept of him will allow. And most of us believe that God's mad at us. Okay. You can't get closer to God. And what I see in Christian, Christian people, this was true of Karen and me. I completely came out of a performance-based background, and so did Karen. We came out of a background that if you did good, you got loved better, and if you did bad, you got clobbered. And so we came into a graceless relationship, and I had no good concept of God. I loved God, and I was saved, but I thought he was always mad at me. I didn't know if he really knew me that well, honestly. I knew that he knew me in general. I just didn't know if he really knew me, and I thought, you know, I'm going to kind of stay away from him because he's probably ticked off at me, and if I kind of, you know, keep my distance, maybe he won't nuke me. It was just all about performance. Look at our world today. I mean, I look at women especially today in just this bondage that women are put under to look a certain way. You know, and just people in general, you watch these ads on TV, my teeth can't get that white. I'm, I'm sorry. The, I can't get those abs, you know, those six, I, I've got 12 pack abs. You know, I actually have washboard abs, I just have a load of towels in right now. And, but, you know, look at what we do to each other. And you know, you have to just, you, you have to just, the tan just perfect and look just perfect and these sculpted bodies. You look at these ads on TV and I, eat, I always like to eat potato chips when I watch those ads. And it's like, nah, you didn't get that body with that machine. You got that body somewhere else and they're paying you to use that machine. Say that you've got that body there. You didn't get that body there. If your abs look just right, if you've got the right proportions, if your teeth are wide enough, you know, everything just, that's called performance. You know, and Karen and I take care of ourselves. I mean, we want to be healthy, but hey, what's enough? What's enough? It's a dog and pony show. It's never enough. And it's totally performance-based. And let me just tell you something. We're getting older. Karen and I are getting older. You know, if you don't die, you're going to get older. That's the principle behind the whole thing right there. And the point is... Our bodies are changing and we're getting older, but I made a decision a long time ago. Karen Evans is the most beautiful woman in the world, period. I don't care how old she is, and I will never compare her body to any woman who did not pay the price to bear my children. I'm not putting her under that. I'm not doing that. But when, when you're in the bondage of this performance-based love, it's not grace, it's a, it's a bondage, it's a curse. Do better, and I'll love you better. But if you don't do good, I won't love you. That's performance. That's the law. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Jump in daddy's lap. Dirty diaper, wet, gross. Jump in daddy's lap. He loves you. You don't have to get your act together. Jump in his lap. He understands. He's been there, done that. He's a God of mercy and grace. But in order to live in the blessing of grace, first of all, I have to receive it for myself. And secondly, I have to give it away. People are always doing something wrong. People are always failing me in some way, hurting me in some way every single day. Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He said, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. God will give us as much grace as we give away. And unforgiveness is torment. Jesus in Matthew 19 said that, talking about a parable, he said, turn that man over to the tormentors. He was talking about a man who wouldn't forgive. Unforgiveness is torment. So whether a person has really done me wrong or they just haven't done enough or they're just on my nerves. Living in grace means every day I'm forgiven. 
Because of the blood of Jesus, not my performance, not anything I can do, I'm forgiving and I am living in the love of God, believing that God loves me and he's for me. I'm living in that and I'm gonna give it away. Forgiveness doesn't make them right, it just makes me free. And until we let the past die, it will not let our future live. Performance, performance, performance. I will never live that way again. It's a curse. Jesus was full of grace and truth. This is not law. This is not, truth is not law. Truth is information to give me victorious living. And let me, let me give you a couple of examples here real quick. When Karen and I got married, all the financial information I had ever received in my life was wrong. But over the years, we learned the truth about finances and how to steward finances, not just giving, but stewarding and, and managing. It transformed our, it's a blessing. Money, money's not everything, but it's a blessing when you do it God's way. What if you don't steward money properly? Does God love you? Absolutely. What if you don't give? Does God love you? Absolutely. You're not loved less if you give, but you're blessed if you give. What if you're a poor money manager and you're always in debt and you go bankrupt? Does God love you? Of course he loves you. You're just loved. Not based on your, you'll always be loved. Just exhale, you're loved. You can't do anything. If you've done the dumbest thing in the world, he still loves you the same. So why does he want us to live in the truth about money? For victory, to be blessed. Why does he want us to live in the truth of marriage? Victory, to be blessed. Why does he want us to live in the truth of everything? Morality, sexuality, everything. He wants to bless us, but you can't be blessed without truth. Not law, because law is performance. It's a point system. The law has been done away with. There is no more law. Thank God there's no more law. It's done away with. Jesus fulfilled it. Okay, I'm loved of God, period. So why then should I learn truth? To live a victorious life. What is truth? John 17, Jesus said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What is your relationship with this word? Most Christians never consult the Bible when they're making an important decision. But Jesus said, my word is like a person who hears my word and does is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When you build your life on the eternal principles of the word of God, not law, not law, not performance, truth, the truth about how to talk, the truth about how to treat people, the truth about money, the truth about marriage, the truth about parenting, it's all right here in this book. When you live your life on truth, you're not loved more, you're just more victorious. The most blessed man in the history of the world was a man full of grace and truth. And when Karen and I got married, I was a performance-based man, totally deceived as a Christian. I lived in deception about marriage, about money, about the way I talked, about everything. I was an ignorant man, totally performance-based, living a curse. On my way to heaven, but miserable on this earth. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. 
Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.